Good morning, Bethany Greenlake. My name, as you probably heard, was is Scott. I'm uh, lead pastor of Bethany North, as well as currently the executive, no, senior lead pastor of Bethany. And uh, it's an honor to be with you. Uh, I've got a message today called Simply Serve One Another. I believe that God wants to really speak uh, to you today about your inheritance as God's people and the mission of falling after God. So you pray with me now. Jesus, thank you so much for the chance to gather uh, with as a church. We don't take it for granted, Lord. There's a long time that uh, we just wanted to get back here. And so, God, we just pray for people that feel far from you to feel a little closer. God, we're grateful for people who feel close to you to continue to be encouraged, to drink of the source that Christ only uh, is your life. And just we want to know more about what it means to serve one another from today's lesson. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. John 13, hopefully you brought your Bibles with you. Serve one another. And like I probably picked up in the video, uh, we love Bethany Community Church and its six locations. I have a special affinity for Bethany Green Lake. Before my wife and I started Bethany North, this was home base. This was our church. Uh, this is where we had our first two kids. We love Bethany Green Lake and the ministry that you all do. So it's a real joy to be with you. Uh, God called me into seminary in 2008, and I started seminary that fall at Fuller Northwest. And when I graduated seminary a few years later, I was presented with a gift upon graduation. And the gift was simply a towel. Just a towel. Not embroidered, not logoed, nothing, you know, no gold embossing, just just a towel. Now, I got to tell you, I have no idea where that towel is this day. It's not behind glass in my office or something. I don't know where it got to because uh, it wasn't an especially significant towel. Even when it was given me, it was just literally like a JC Penny. Remember that was a store back in the, you know, it was just a plain white towel. And even though as seminarians, we had spent thousands of dollars and spent years of our life, the, the message was clear. Like you've been equipped, but before you go, you must be reminded of the significance of the towel. The significance of the towel. In today's message from John 13, we learn the place of the towel in the ministry of Christ. Now, if you've been coming the last couple of weeks, you know we're in this one another series. Uh, roughly a hundred times in the New Testament where Jesus or Paul or Peter or John or others say, love one another, honor one another, be at peace with one another. And today we come to this key message, serve one another. And as you've probably been hearing in the series, the one another's uh, were based off a Greek word, all alone, a singular word, which was a word to the church, the one another's. When you read one another in the New Testament, it's a message to other people who follow God. It is a message that your community will be defined as you live into the practices of, like today, serving one another or washing one another. So John 13, uh, Jesus does the staggering account of washing his, his friend's feet. It's a staggering account because of any night that Jesus should be honored and, you know, lifted up, it would be this night, the hardest night of his life. But instead, the story, like it so often does with Christ, the story changes and Jesus rose. Not even at the beginning of the meal, which would have been kind of customary. Jesus got up in the middle of the meal to, to, to not be lifted up, but to kneel. To not be treated as a savior, but be treated as a slave. And something amazing follows as we follow his example. So I'm going to tell you two stories of foot washing based on John 13. You must wash one another's feet. 
Now, I look forward to getting to know you more over the years. We're so grateful. Pastor Richard, after taking a break, we'll be back to continue to teach. But for me, my personal story, I didn't grow up in a denomination that did foot washing, like a Monday, Thursday service for some of you more, you know, denominational folks. Like that was never a thing for me. Uh, but it became a thing about five or six years ago because, uh, we wanted to do worship service with our, with our street ministry out of Bethany North called Community Breakfast on Aurora. Now, uh, Bethany North remodeled a former strip club that was called the Sugar Strip Club, and we used it as an office place, and it was a coffee shop. And just recently, we transitioned the whole building to Black Coffee Northwest that rents from the church, and they're doing a coffee shop and community service for people of color in the north end. They're doing great work. But for many years, that was our office, and we did a weekly just breakfast ministry. But our volunteers said, more than just serving people breakfast, we want to preach the gospel. Can we do some summer worship services in the parking lot of the junction? Uh, of, of, of the building. We're like, yes, let's do that. So we had volunteers sign up for a full food. You know, it was like a whole breakfast, hot breakfast they brought. And we had table set with linens and, and place settings. And we had speakers who were in recovery themselves talking about how Jesus changed their life. And then I had the idea, you know, it'd be great. We should wash people's feet. Now that's, that sounds great. What an awesome ministry. And I, if I'm totally honest, because I will always try to be totally honest with you. I was like, oh, that'd be great publicity. I mean, I could even imagine the social media, you know, that's going to be a great, you know, Instagram post, right? And so we plan this worship service. I showed up on the morning and people are scurrying around. I was doing what leaders do, which sometimes is like standing there with the clipboard, watching other people work. And I'm like, oh, it's all coming together perfectly. And then as woman greets me and she hands me a basin, like a tub. I was like, what's this? It's your, it's your tub. There's towels here. There's lotions. There's soap. This is a nice tub. I'm like, no, you can have your tub back because I had the vision for washing feet, but I had zero intention of being said foot washer. I, I just like, no, no, that will, someone will be blessed as they wash people's feet. Certainly not me. Like I'll be walking around with the clipboard. Remember she's like, no, no, no. Everyone else has other jobs, you know, uh, parentheses, real jobs, uh, but like, she's like, everyone else is busy. She shoves it in my chest. Like, just go. And there's warm water by the chair and you better get busy. There's a woman already seated, ready to have her feet washed. I was so discouraged in my spirit. I was, I'm again, remember, don't judge me. I'm trying to be honest. I was repulsed at the idea because people living on the street Washing their feet is, it's actually can be dangerous if protocols aren't followed because people living out, it's their feet that take a real beating because they don't have access to clean socks and dry footwear often. And so I I knew it was something someone should do, but I didn't want to be the one to do it. So I I felt stuck and I walked over there and I got on my knees and it's amazing how you can be doing service with a heart that feels really cold and cut off from God's love. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm, my hunch is other people in this room have been in that place where you're doing the work of God, but in your heart, you're not feeling God's love. So I get down on my knees and I was just really having a hard time with this. And I started taking off her shoes and her socks, put my hands in the water. I said, what's your name? She told me. She said, what's your name? I told her. I'm in Scott, one of the pastors here. And then her tone changed. She said, oh, you're Pastor Scott. I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you because God's been on the move in my life. And I told a few people and they said that I should share it with you. It'd be this great encouragement. And I tell you, it was like a shot of, of love just like cracked open my heart because all of a sudden I felt like there's a ver- the voice of God speaking through this woman. 
And it's amazing how we can serve sometimes with a heart that's cold, but oftentimes it's our mission that reminds us of our own inheritance of God's great love. And I drove home that day. I literally was just weeping. See, I'd been doing the work of ministry, planting a church, Bethany North, remodeling a building that was a strip club. I was doing all the things, but I'd forgotten my own inheritance of God's great love for me in my own brokenness. This is where this text encounters us. And this is what we need to unpack today. It is our inheritance to be washed as people of God, not just once, but today, tomorrow, next Thursday. And then we are invited from that inheritance into a mission, people washing others' feet, both literally, but often metaphorically. We're going to unpack that. So let's begin with our inheritance. As Christ followers, we must first be washed. In John 13, Megan, Megan read it for us already. Jesus knew the father had put all things under his power. He had come from God. He was returning from God. He knew his authority. So he got up from the meal, took off his clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Our mind explodes with what feels paradoxical. We think authority means authority. Clipboards telling others how to serve. Jesus tells us from my authority is where I kneel from. And I serve you. And then Peter argues with him. and like, no, 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 Jesus, I, you don't need to do that. And Jesus says in verse eight, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So being washed as our inheritance is essential if we'll follow Christ. In Greek, it, it doesn't actually mean to serve. It means to wash. It's this word in the text of John 13, nipto, which is this Greek word to cleanse, ceremonially cleanse your hands, your face. So it's an interesting text for us to teach about serve one another because the text says, wash one another. But when Jesus says, I must wash you, he's saying, I must, him, our savior, he must serve us. He must love us. He must feed us. He must meet our needs. He must care for us. We we learn from this text that God became incarnate in order to serve us. It was always the design. We were made by God to be loved by him. The scriptures talk about this from the Imago Day forward, but I just lift up a prophecy from Ezekiel 34, where God says to the prophet, I'll place over them one shepherd, my servant, David, Jesus. He'll tend them. He'll tend them. He'll be their shepherd. Subtext, he'll wash them. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant, David, will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Here's the reality. To be loved is an act of vulnerability. To trust someone other than yourself, to be needy to someone other than yourself, to be ready to be cared for by somebody other than yourself. Jesus asked twice in this passage, do you understand? Do you get it? Do you know? Because unless you're washed, you'll never be able to fully serve. Yeah, you can obey for a while. You can sacrifice. You can sign up for a thing. You can do the work, but you'll never truly serve for the sake of joy and partnership with the spirit unless you're washed. Church, We must be washed. It's our inheritance. It's the inheritance that the Savior knows us and cares for us and longs to both make us clean with his presence. Only Jesus does that to say, I love you as you are and I must wash you. There's nothing you could do to step outside of my love, but still I must serve you. And it's like, me? No, I love you completely and I want to put my hands on you. And you're like, oh yeah, I did that at Young Life Camp. I was 18. No, Jesus is saying from this place of encounter, I want to make you new again. 
I wanna crack open your heart again. I want my spirit to flow in your life again. For many of us, it's been a long time since the touch of the divine encountered us in our innermost recesses. But John 13 reminds through Jesus, before he gave his life, he saw them as they were. He put his hands on them. He accepted them. He wasn't put off by their egos or their vanity or their pride or their desire for earthly authority. None of that prohibited his touch of love. So someone in this room needs to be reminded, you've been carrying around a great weight, a huge discouragement, or it's been a very long time. And Jesus came today to speak to you. Before you can do anything, you've got to let yourself be loved by him. You got to let yourself be loved again and again and again and again. We can do the work. But if we haven't received the word today, if we haven't lived into it, we're running off an old story. Many of us, we tell old stories. Oh, there was a time I felt so close to Jesus. Ah, ah, ah. you know, I love those stories. We need new stories. We need new stories that Jesus has done something in your life that you let yourself be loved and he was there for you. And you encountered him in the text, in a worship song, in, the, in someone else in your Christian community. It has never been a harder time to be a senior pastor, Richard said. Well, guess what? He's gone. Someone else shows up like, well, thank you. Like, it's a new word and a new work. Like, we have to encounter Christ as never before. Because the world doesn't believe our witness anymore, friends. They're not sure that we represent Jesus as he is. How will we do the work that Christ calls us to? We'll let ourselves be washed. Be washed. Now, social psychologists talk about the challenge between what they say is first order change and second order change. Let me explain. First order change is behavioral change. They're like, do this, don't do that. Like, try harder here, sign up for a thing. It's often quick and linear, performative, minor improvements, adjustments. That's what's called first order change. This is often the place that performative uh, service comes from or performative allyship. It's easy, it's quick, it's first order change. We see an example of first order change, not second order change in John 13. Wait, I'll unpack this. First order change, John 13, it's Peter. God's like, I want to wash your feet. Oh, no, no, I have to. Okay, he says, then not just my hands, my body, my feet. I, like he's like quick to move. And sometimes when we're quick to do the things without really sitting and listening to the spirit of God, that's what first order change does. It's not bad, but it's not transformational. It's not what we need as a church. We need transformation. We're going to need second order change. Before we can step into the world as ones who are making an impact in the lives of others, we need to allow Jesus to serve us. We're going to need that second order change. Jesus makes this crystal clear in John 13, verse 12. He finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and he says, do you understand what I've done for you? Like you can, you can think about it, but do you know what I'm saying it is to be loved by me? And, and this deeper knowing, this, this distance from our head to our heart is where our second order changes Christians. This is where our sanctification happens, where we're pressing deeper in than quick actions to, to really look at our structure, our core. Our, like, God, what do you want to say in my spirit? How can I encounter your love in new ways? 
How can you wash me, Jesus? And not just once, like we just said, not like the old days. No, again, daily leaning into the work of Christ, hungering, Jesus, wash me, change me, remind me, make me new. I, I, I need it tomorrow more than today because my flesh is strong. So we, we must understand he longs to wash us and transform us, not simply that first order performative stuff, but the second order, deep transformation work that only Christ can do in us. We have been, a small group of us here at Bethany, we've been working to apply the second order thinking into the Bethany, what we're calling the cohort of a learning group on the roadmap to reconciliation. Megan Cowell from Green Lake and Taylor Greer and myself, we're in a year-long cohort with Dr. Brenda Salter-McNeil from uh, SPU to train up leaders and congregations who are teaching Christians from the Bible about God's work to tear down the dividing wall of, race, of racism in our, in our world. And Dr. Brenda in her roadmap training materials taught this first order, second order transformation in the work of reconciliation. See, oftentimes first order change on racial reconciliation is we can hire more people of color or do a book group or bring in a speaker. It's good work. It's not bad at all. But real transformation happens when we press into the second order work, looking deeper at the systems and power structures and ways that subliminally the church grew up in America, developed during time of white supremacy and say, no, in Jesus name, the Bible says we will all be face to face, tearing down the dividing lines because of Jesus. That's the second order change. And when Jesus kind of moves a person, when he washes them, when he baptizes them, he sends them on a new trajectory where their own successes and individualism and priorities are superseded in time by Christ. So it's not just, hey, come and be served. It's, we're going to make this easy, but come and experience the full life of Christ. Be washed, be changed, experience the spirit of God to sacrifice, to be disciples that are living our values. That was life when ancient Israel moved into the promised land. Like they'd finally reached the promised land. And then God says through Joshua, I want you to go deeper. I want you to sacrifice. And all the men in the camp were cut. And the call of God individually and communally looked like sacrifice, even as they advanced against Jericho. In order to win this battle, said God, everyone will need to be cut. Everyone will need to be injured in order to lean fully onto God. And they did win the, the battle of Jericho with unity and with a shout, not a weapon. See, if we're never sacrificing, we'll never learn to honor others. If we're never hurt, we'll never be healed. If we're never caught, we'll always hold ourselves back for fear of being injured. Remember I said earlier, to let yourself be loved is an act of vulnerability. And when we're washed by Christ, when we're changed by his love, we'll hunger for more. Or John says in 3.30, he must become greater. I must become less. He must become greater. We must become less. This is the work of the Jesus follower of laying our lives down. We'll find greater joy and hope and love. We were never meant to go into isolation, be locked off from the world. We were never meant to be cut off from other Christians. We were meant to believe that God can still do good through the church, the local church. And for many of us, the last 20 months have wrecked our notion of community, of the church, of intimacy with others. Maybe it's that's your position this morning, just a bit of doubt. Or maybe you feel isolated or alone or tired or discouraged. That would make sense. You are meant to be washed by the maker. Jesus 
longs to bring you out of your hiding and isolation so that you can belong both to him and to others. I'll tell you a story to illustrate that. According to musical history, one of the greatest violin virtuosos was this Italian man, Niccolo Paganini, in the town of Genoa. And, and Paganini was like the greatest violinist in the world, and he played the world's greatest violin, the canone. Everyone knew by its power and its resonance. Now, Paganini was kind of a character. But when he died, he loved the city. He loved his music. And he wanted to bless Genoa with an incredible blessing, the city in Italy that he was dying in. So he blessed the city with his instrument, given on one condition. Upon his death, it must never be played again. And so the canone, Paganini's famous violin, went behind glass and sat in town hall for decades where it promptly started to disintegrate because a wood instrument is preserved in the laying on of human hands. It is the oils and it is being used in which it comes alive. Musical historians restored it in 1937, but I share it with you to remind you, you were meant to be washed, to be brought out of hiding, to experience the love and inheritance of other Christians, of the church. It's our inheritance. Let's look at our mission. Our mission is God's people. We must wash others, said Jesus. Verse 13 to 15 of John 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. It's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example. You should do as I have done for you. The verbs of the faith, Jesus says, as you've received, now go and do. We must realize, Bethany, that when we serve one another, what Jesus means here, he's talking about the family of faith. He's talking about other Christians. He's not talking about people around the world that have never heard the word of Jesus. You know, keep in mind, Jesus is giving this sermon, not in some Gentile region of the far you know, shores of the Sea of Galilee. He's in Jerusalem, in the upper room, gathered with his church and said, our fellowship will be a ministry to the world if we learn how to love one another. You must care for the church. The early church knew this because for them to say in, in the Roman Empire, for them to say early Christians, for them to say Jesus is Lord, it was an act of civil disobedience to not say Caesar is Lord. So the early Christians, they knew they had to serve one another or else they would die. So they had to feed one another. And if somebody was sick, they had to show up. And they had to worship one another, break bread together. It wasn't about a senior pastor. It was just the reality. Like this is our calling. We must serve one another. But times have changed and we feel cut off from one another. So we once again hear the words of Paul in Galatians 5. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the law is fulfilled, keeping this command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, you'll be destroyed by each other. Paul was talking to the Galatian Christians, if you bite and devour each other, you'll destroy your fellowship as Christians. So serving one another is not a guilt trip or a fear tactic or a twisting the proverbial arms, not at all. His point is that when we serve one another, we'll unleash the power of Christ within us. As we love the other Christians around us, we will experience more hope and joy for Christ in our lives. It's incredible. It's like my foot washing story. It took me getting on my knees to try to step out of mission to actually be reminded of the great inheritance. So embodied in John 13 is this truth that proximity matters. 
that before we try to change people living in East Africa, we've got to not just change Seattle, we've got to change Bethany Greenlake. We've got to love the people in our sphere of influence. We have got to be moved as people of compassion in our actual relationship. Something I say at North all the time, nobody of your friends, neighbors, coworkers cares necessarily what you believe. They want to see how you live. They want to see how you serve. They want to see how you wash others. For parents in the room, like you can say that you're Jesus father. Your kids need to see you serve them. For roommates, same goes. Like, don't just say, oh yeah, I went to church. How are you serving? How are you living out the ethic of Christ? And I'm gonna challenge you that as you get on your knees to serve, that joy will increase within you. Before we go, we've gotta learn to love one another. That's what Jesus says at the beginning of that passage. It's so key at John 13. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It's an incredible piece of teaching that Jesus says, I, love will challenge us to be proximate to people already in our sphere, in our bubble. It's way more easy for me to preach the Bible to you all and then go home than actually serve my wife and kids, to actually be humble and confess when I blow it, to, to, uh, to, to live out my values. Much more, much more difficult to live it than to speak it. And so Jesus knows that and he sends his, his band of followers. He says, you need to wash one another. And even though he knows that Judas is going to fail him, still Jesus washes. It wasn't about their preconditioned excellence to cause the Savior to kneel. It was who Christ is. So when we're tied into our inheritance as ones who've been washed by God's love, we can go on mission, not because we're perfect or we have all this extra time, but we're trying to live our values as God's people. John 13, 16 to 17, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, no servant's greater than the master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now you know these things, hear this. You'll be blessed, says Jesus, if you do them. You'll be blessed if you do them. You'll be blessed if you do them. See, if we, if we serve and we're trying to be a blessing across the world, but we miss the people closest to us, we're going to miss it. So I want to challenge you, Green Lake. I want to challenge you. Where does God want to encounter you in a surprising way this week? There's a book, a gentleman in Moscow that a pastor, John Orberg, posted on this week. It really encountered me a lot. In the, in the book, a gentleman in Moscow, it talks about the inconveniences in life is often where we're going to encounter the power of God. And the gentleman in Moscow says this, it's not the conveniences that matter most, it's the inconveniences. I want to challenge you. You might be inconvenienced this week. You might be disruptive. There might have been a mistake made at work or in your home, and that's a practical chance for you to love others as Christ would. We've been studying celebration discipline at our house with our high schoolers by Richard Foster, and he talks about the ministry of the small things, which is for him, we're talking about just daily service. Foster says this. He says, large tasks require great sacrifice for a moment, but small things require constant sacrificing. So in the realm of the spirit, we soon discover that the real issues are found, get this, in the tiny insignificant corners of life. So I I want you to have your eyes open this week. What tiny insignificant corner of your life is actually Jesus trying to woo you to serve others? What inconvenience might you face this week might be an opportunity to, to live your values 
to speak Jesus, changing the city, yes, but starting by changing your family or your marriage or your roommates, not by your overwhelming strength, no, but by God's, that we would be a church washing others, willing to wash. That's where our mission meets the needs of the world. And now we're starting to get people's attention because we're a church that's living our values. One recent writer said this, faith isn't something you have as much as something you do. And if you do it consistently, the cleaning, the focusing, the nourishing, the washing, the getting back on track, then you become the very lightness you long for. Ah, we become the lightness we long for. I can get stuck waiting for lightness to happen to me. But when we live on mission of trying to serve others, we participate with Christ and we're asking, God, make me aware of your lightness. Now, something I want to say, Bethany Community Church and especially Green Lake has always been a safe place that you would come and nothing would be expected of you. That's still true. And when my wife and I lost our son, we would sit in the back row of the balcony and barely even be able to sing worship songs. If you just need to come and be here for a while, be here. No judgment, no questions asked. We're glad you're here. We really are. Online, in person, we're glad you're here. But I do want you to know that when you lean into the community, your body will yield the beneficial results of the engagement and the participation. That it's scientifically proven that when we serve, neural pathways in our body are engaged and oxytocin is actually released, which means as God's people, we'll literally experience these little tiny moments of joy in self-sacrifice. It's the way God engineered our bodies. So this is amazing that serving one another will counteract effects of COVID isolation and anger and anxiety. Serving one another combats depression. Serving one another puts us in the footsteps of famous women and men who have followed Jesus, not from their perfection, but by their mission and by their inheritance. But to do that, we're going to have to stop blaming. We're going to have to heed the call and just literally be people of prayer. Jesus, how do you want me to wash the world that I encounter? What are relationships you want me to get on my knees again? Maybe it's a, a relationship with a, with a significant other that just needs to be washed. Maybe it's a, a child that just needs special care this week. Maybe it's a ministry in the church. I, I don't know, but I do know that this city desperately is ready to be washed. Who will wash, Bethany? Who will wash? Recently, I've been going through my old journals because it's this season of transition. And like, what did God say in 2008? And how did I feel? And just kind of going back and remembering. And as I was flipping through the pages, looking for these highlight reels of like when God called me into ministry, I, I encountered a pretty troubling story in my journal about six months after the calling. I'd totally forgotten about it. It was a season six months after the call. We were starting seminary, finishing a house, raising kids. It was busy. It, you know, we were doing the things of that Christians should do. But as I was reading, I was talking, I was reading about how our marriage had just hit this incredibly difficult time. My wife and I had been married 10, 12 years at that point. It's like we were stuck. Our love had grown cold. We'd forgotten how to love each other. And what I do often in those situations is I start to blame. Well, if she would love me. Maybe she should wash my feet for a while. You know, like this is the narrative in, in my head. I was mad. I, I had this cold heart. And then I was reading more. I'm like, ah, this was like after my call to ministry and I'm not even living it out. What happened? Well, I read on in my journal. This is John 13. I'd been reading the Bible 
And God said, if you want to be great in this marriage, you're going to have to serve her. And so things were really rotten between us. But I said, hey, can I wash your feet? And she allowed me because remember what I said earlier, to be loved is to be vulnerable. Often we haven't earned that right if we've been in a season of discouragement. But she said, yes, you wash my feet. And so I got on my knees and I washed her feet. And our marriage started to be redeemed, not from a place of authority, but from a place of kneeling. That's that second order change I was talking about earlier, where we don't just sign up for a thing, but we do the hard work in our spirits to say, God, how do you want to change me? Where do you want to wake me up? Who do you want me to serve? So that's where we want to end up. That's our inheritance. That's our mission. That's where we let ourselves be loved. That's where we rediscover together the ministry of the towel. And as we wrap, I want to give you like five or six words. And I want you to listen for one that might be an encouragement this week. Like, how will you serve? Like some of you are going to leave this room like, I'm in. What do I, what do, I do now? I'm going to give you some words to be thoughtful about it in the week ahead. I want you to think prayerfully, like ask God in prayer, where do you want me to serve Lord Jesus? Be prayerful this week. Second, humbly challenge yourself. Is this for Jesus or my own reputation? And do not post a selfie. No Instagram, TikTok, Facebook allowed. Sacrificially, are you going to give something this week that's going to make someone else's life better? Repeatedly, have you been invited into a daily, weekly, monthly rhythm to serve that you could be a blessing in the lives of others? Inwardly, yeah, I really want us to go across the world for God's good news but I need you right here, right now. We've got to tell the church that how to love one another. So keep showing up. And if, look at all these empty spaces. If there's people that you know that have kind of given up on the local church, maybe next Sunday, bring them with you. Say, this little church by the lake, it's imperfect, but it's good. And they're doing God's good work in the city. Will you come with me? It's our inheritance to be washed in love by the risen Christ. And it's our mission, a church set free to love others, rediscovering the ministry of the towel. We pray with me now, Lord God, thank you so much for just some moments to be reminded of your great love over us. And God, I want to just encourage everyone that's listening right now, God, that they would really hear you. In the moments that follow as we worship later on this evening, this afternoon, maybe this week, a walk around Green Lake or a moment down by the, by the ocean or just God, somewhere, somehow, some way, would you crack through our cold and sad and, and discouraged hearts and remind us that you're the God who really loves us, that you came to serve us and to wash us. And God, from that place of inheritance, would you move us out on mission to love one another, to wash one another. And we pray that people in this room really take the opportunity in the week ahead with a with a relationship, with a child, with a roommate, with a friend, someone, somewhere, somehow, practically stepping out to serve, not from a place of authority, but kneeling before people. But God, we love you. It's an honor to be together as your people today. In your name we pray. Amen.